Today, as we look at the series Strong, I want to talk to you from this thought. Set an example. Set an example. Now, throughout this series, we are looking at strategies, strategies for every stage of life. We are covering strategies for the young, for the middle-aged, for the old. And, and here's the interesting thing is the Bible really does give us strategies on how we can navigate every season of life successfully. And that's what I want us to do is to navigate every season of life successfully and look to God's Word for strategies to be able to do that. And here's what you're going to find out. Uh, no matter what season of life you're in, every single week there are going to be nuggets. There are going to be insights that help you no matter the stage you find yourself in. This is going to be a relevant series for everyone every single week. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to the young people, young people. And, and listen, if you Google and try to figure out who young people are, some would say it's ages 13 to age 30. There are some would say up to 35. Some would say all the way up to age 39 would be considered kind of a young person. Now, I have bad news for some of you. Over 40, they just don't call you young. I just want you to know that, huh? Yeah, I'm in that class too. I'm, I'm on 40 tomorrow. I'm, uh, my, it's my birthday. I turn 41 tomorrow, and, and I'm just not considered, you know. But I'm going to tell you, how many are like me? How many of you are over 40, but you still feel young? Come on, somebody, huh? Come on. I still feel young. I still feel 22 until I play basketball. And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> no, I'm not 22 anymore. And I want to talk to the young people today. And I believe this message is going to be relevant for all of us. How many of you wish you could go back and have a do-over? You ever wish you could go back in life and just do some things over again? You know, I, I think about my life, I wish I could just go back and have a do-over, redo some things. And there are many things I would do over if I could go back. But let me just share a few of them with you today. If, if I could go back and do it over again, I would actually obey my parents. They're not near as stupid as I thought they were. <laughs> if I could go back, I would actually obey them. I would not be hard-headed and sneak out the house all the time and not listen and rebel. I, I would have actually listened to my parents when I, was, when I was younger, if I could go back and get a redo. If I, if I could get a redo when I was in high school, I wouldn't have been too cool for school. You know, I was cool, you know. Pulling up to high school, bass pump, and boom, boom, boom. I was cool. My, my family and I, we were on vacation. We were driving in different parts of different, different states, and as we were driving, we, we stopped at one city, and we went to the mall. And, and in the mall, there was, there was some guys that had their jeans down to their, literally to their knees, and they were holding them up. I thought, that's the style now? Holding your jeans around? And you know, if I could go back if I could go back and have a do-over, I wouldn't be too cool for school. You see, you don't realize how you look until you get older. And then you look back. See, some of you, I watch some of you, you 13, 15, 16, you think you're so cool. Only if you do what you look like to us. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. Back when I was growing up, they said, too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy, it hurts. No, you're not. You're just not that sexy. You're not that cool. If I could have a redo, man, I wouldn't try to be too cool for school. If I could have a redo and do college again, I would actually study this next time around. 
if I could have a redo. You see, I was so much in a rush to get to the next season of life in college that I didn't maximize the season I was in. And now that I'm older, if I could go back, I would have maximized that season. I would have got everything that God had for me out of that season instead of being in a rush to get to the next season of life. Oh, I wish I could go back and get a redo. But the reality is I can't go back and change the past. But what I can do is I can share with you the mistakes that I made so that you can learn from them and avoid those same mistakes. You see, there are two ways to learn. Today, you can choose to learn from your own mistakes. And that's the hardest way to learn. That's the most painful way to learn. Or you can choose that I'm going to be a person that learns from other people's mistakes so that I can avoid what they went through. And that's a much better way to learn. So young people, please listen to me today. If you will listen and apply what I'm going to teach you, it will keep you from pain and heartache, trauma and drama. And it will help set your life up for success. And I'm also talking to some middle aged and some older folks as well. This message will impact you and set you up for success. I want to preach from one verse today, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul was writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy was his spiritual son. He was mentoring Timothy. And here's what he said to young Timothy. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. That's my title right there of my message. Set an example. Set an example for the believers in five areas, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Listen to me, young people. Don't let your age cause you to make excuses not to be used by God. You may be young, but God has called you to get some stuff done. Y'all hear that rap right there? A little rap right there? Riggy, 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 riggy. You may be young, but God has called you to get some stuff done. I worked on it all week long. I watch out there, church. Listen, listen. God has called you to be a risk taker. He's called you to be a history maker. He's called you to be a world changer. God has called you as a young person to set the example. Paul told Timothy, set an example. And setting an example means this. It means let your life do the talking. Let the way you live your life demand respect from others. You say, how do I do that? How do I set the example? Paul gives us five ways in that one verse. I want to give you five areas to set an example today. Five areas. He talks about our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, and our purity. Let's dive into God's Word and learn how to set an example. Number one is this. Set an example with your words. Set an example with your words. Every single point, I'm going to tell you what I wish I would have known when I was younger. I, I wish when I was younger I knew how powerful words were and are. You see, our words either elevate or devastate. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Many of us use our words very carelessly, not understanding that our words are powerful and they have carry either life or death with them. They either elevate or devastate. Young people, watch your words. 
carefully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So, so when you're using your words, you're thinking about their needs, but not just their needs, but anybody else who may be affected by your words. And he goes on to say this, according to their, their needs, that it may benefit those, everyone who listens. As a Christian, we are called to build others up. We're called to elevate, not to devastate. And now understand that sometimes building other people up means speaking the truth in love. And Paul talks about this in that same chapter, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love. Now, some of you think you know what that verse means and you think you're doing that verse, but you're not. I'm just going to tell you. What I'm thinking. No, we don't want to hear from you. That is not loving. It might be truth, but there's no love. He says, speaking the truth in love. Here's the motivation. So we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. You see, sometimes the way we build others up is by speaking to them in love a hard truth. Go to the person, notice, notice I said that, go to the person, that's what the Bible says, go to the person and speak the truth in love. And why do you do that? Because when you speak the truth in love, your motivation is to build up, not to tear down, it's to elevate, not to devastate, and sometimes you have to share a hard truth for somebody to be built up so they have the opportunity to grow from it, they have the opportunity to learn from it, they have the opportunity to change, or they have the opportunity to share their perspective. And so you go to the person, and sometimes you have to share a hard truth in love. But the heart and the motivation is always to elevate, never to devastate. If Paul was writing today, I believe it with all of my heart. If Paul was writing these words today, he would say, listen, watch the words that you speak and the words that you write. You see, back in Paul's day, there was no social media. But today, there's social media, and it burdens my heart that young people are literally destroying their reputation or the reputation of others on social media. And I just, say, I just say, listen, young people, young people, watch your words. Paul, Paul says, watch your words. Don't use your words to devastate by attacking people or lying on people or bullying. And that, that's been popular now, cyberbullying and, and social media, people bullying each other or, or slandering or being negative on social media or rude or being divisive or malicious or, or sexually. Listen, young person, don't be sexual on social media. Or, 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 or sometimes young people are being hateful. Social media is a wonderful tool, but if you're not wise, hear your pastor, if you're not wise with the way you use social media, one day, it may be six months from now, two or three or five or six years from now, you're going to regret what you posted. One day you're going to find out that the very thing you posted hindered you from getting the college acceptance letter. The very thing that you posted hindered you from getting the interview or getting the job. The very thing you posted hindered you from getting the the promotion. It hindered you from the friendship. It hindered you from getting asked out on the date. It hindered you from the person asking you to marry them. It hindered you from the connection, from the door opening, from the breakthrough. It hindered you. And listen, listen, sometimes we're young and we don't know any better and we throw stuff out there. 
And it literally devastates us. It doesn't help us. Speaking of social media, it was brought to my attention that, that someone created a, a Facebook page using my name and my profile to solicit money from our church. Approaching some of our church members saying, you know, uh, we need, I'm struggling, I need some help. And listen, listen, it's, it's funny to me. I, now, I've been lied on on social media. I've been, I've been slandered on social media. But to my knowledge, this is the first time somebody's ever created a profile using my name. Let me say this to you. You can't believe everything you read on social media. <laughs> Listen, that is not your pastor, and I just wanted you to know that is not me. I would never approach you and solicit money from you ever on social media. I would just never do that. I use social media to uplift, to share the Word of God, to talk about family, to talk about positive values. I would never do that to you. Don't fall for that. We've contacted Facebook and let them, made them aware of it. We, we've, we've contacted legal advice to get it shut down, but I wanted you to know that is not your pastor. I don't believe everything you read on social media. Watch your words. Watch your words, your spoken words and your written words. Listen, use your words to elevate, not to devastate. Number two is this. There's a, a second area to set an example. Number two is this. Set an example with your actions. Your actions. Paul told Timothy, set an example with your conduct. He's saying, don't just set an example with your words, but also set an example with your actions. Here's what I wish I would have known. When I was younger, I wish I would have known that my actions today would have a profound effect on my tomorrow. I didn't understand when I was younger how important every decision was. I thought that I could make poor decisions today and somehow still have a positive outcome tomorrow. That's what I thought. I didn't understand that every decision is taking me in a direction and the outcome is predictable. I didn't understand that. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14 about our conduct. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And the context is before you came to Christ, you didn't know any better. You didn't know how to live. And sometimes we could say when we were younger, we, we didn't know how to live. Nobody ever taught us how to live and honor God with our actions. In verse 15, he goes on to say, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Notice, in every, not just with everything you say, but everything you do, your conduct. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And, and I used to buy into this immature thinking. I used to really think that, that living for God wasn't fun. I thought that when I was younger. You know what I thought when I was younger? I had immature thinking, and some of you young people have immature thinking. Some of you middle age and even older age still have some immature thinking. I used to think that God was trying to keep me from something. God, you're just a killjoy. You're just trying to keep me from fun and, you know, telling me not to have sex and get drunk and not to party and do drugs. You're just trying to keep me from some fun. But as I've, as I've matured throughout the years, I realized God wasn't trying to keep me from something. He was trying to keep me for something. 
You see, there are some things that sin will never benefit or bring into your life. And God says, listen, there are some things, if you will honor me, if you'll watch your conduct, there are some blessings, there are some open doors, there are some connections, there are some things I will pour out on your life. I'm not trying to keep you from something. I'm trying to keep you for something. If you, if you will let me work in your life, if you will honor me with your conduct, I have some things for your life. And I was so immature. I wish, listen to me, I'm going to say this again. This will change your life if you'll let it sink in and live by this truth. I really wish I would have known that every decision was taking me in a direction. And the outcome is predictable. But you know what you think when you're naive? Here's what you think. You think, you think, oh, no, I'm unique. That'll never happen. I know it happened to them, but it won't happen to me because I'm unique. I'm one of a kind. There's nobody else like me. I know it happened to all of them, but I'll beat the odds. I'm unique. And listen, you're right when you say that you are unique. You're one of a kind. Nobody else has your DNA. You are unique but your behavior is not. You're unique, but your behavior, your behavior, millions of people have made the same decision. <laughs> See, that's why your outcome is so predictable. You can read the Bible or you can just look at history. Millions of people have made the same decision, but when we're naive, we don't understand that every decision is leading in a destination and that outcome is predictable. And yet we think we're unique. We're unique. I'm one of a kind. You don't understand. You don't understand me. It won't happen to me. And I hear people say things like this. Well, you know, you know, me and my girlfriend, I hang out over at her, her place late at night, you know, stay till one or two in the morning, just us two, but but we both love God. And nothing will ever happen. We just love God. You know, we our love is special. It's unique. It's one of a kind. No, it's not. It's not. Millions of people have made that same decision. And the outcome to that decision, if you keep doing it, it really is predictable. And I know what you think millions thought it. We'll beat the odds. No, you won't. It's predictable. Now, when you're in it, it's not predictable. You think you're one of a kind. I'm unique. You're unique, but your behavior is not. A young couple, they get married, you know, in their 20s, and, and they still got their old high school friends, and, and they still got to hang out with their old friends. You know, he still has his old girlfriend. She still has her old boyfriend. They still talk sometimes, and every once in a while, he'll go out with his old girlfriend, or, and, and they'll get something to eat, and, you know, but it's innocent. We're just high school friends catching up. No, 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 no. Listen, I know you think you're unique, <laughs> and you are, but your behavior is not. And the outcome to that, it really is predictable. I can just tell you whether that's going to be six months from now. I can tell you right now. You don't know, but I can tell you what your spouse is feeling. Insecure, not trusting you, questioning you. Every time they say something, you're defensive, so your relationship is drifting. And I know you think it's unique, but listen, your behavior is not unique. You're unique, but your behavior is not unique. And because, you're, because your behavior is not unique, the outcome to your behavior is not unique. It's predictable. 
And I wish when I was younger, I knew that every decision was taking me in a direction and the outcome to that direction is predictable. I won't beat the odds. I'm unique, but my behavior is not and neither is my outcome. Every once in a while, I like a little audience participation. Come on, all of our campus. Come on, PCND, all of our campuses. Come on, I want you right now just to turn to your neighbor and just tell them this. This message, that point was not for me. It was for you. And I'm glad you're here. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I'm good. But you need that. Glad you came to church today. Uh-huh. Yep. I'm good. I didn't need that point. Move right along, Pastor. Point number three is this. Point number three is this. Paul says, set an example, number three. Set an example with your love. Set an example with your love. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. I wish when I was younger, I knew that love always, won, always wins. I didn't know that when I was younger. Love always wins. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. He says, love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. When you're having conflict, love. Because love never fails. Love wins. When you have an enemy, choose love because love never fails. Love wins. When you're, when you're misunderstood, and you will be, love because love never fails. Love wins. When you're talked about negatively, and you will be, choose to love because love wins. When you're dealing with a difficult person, and you will deal with difficult people, choose to love because love wins. Love wins. Hear your pastor today. Boy, I wish I would have known this. Listen, in the end, maybe right not, maybe not right this moment, but in the end, getting even doesn't win. Retaliating doesn't win. Lashing out doesn't win. Getting angry doesn't win. Getting bitter doesn't win. Love wins. Man, I wish I would have understood that. I wish somebody would have taught me that. Love wins. You say, Pastor, how do I love? Because you sound like you're preaching a fairy tale up there. How do I love? That's hard to do. Well, here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. He says, now that you have purified yourselves... That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I taught, we, we did a series a month or so ago on the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to get online and watch and listen to that message. The Holy Spirit has to do a work. You've got to become born again, become a Christian, give your life to Jesus. Now that you have been purif pur purified yourselves by, the, by obeying the truth. So you're a Christian, the Spirit of God is working in your life, and now you obey the truth of the gospel. You're, you're striving to live every day for Jesus. And when you do that, when you're choosing to, to, by the Holy Spirit working in your life, you choose to start obeying the gospel, here is the fruit of that. Here are the, some benefits of that. He says this, so that you have sincere love. God begins to produce love in your life. Sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love wins. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all else, love people. Listen, you will never go wrong loving people. You'll never go wrong loving people. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14 says, And over all these virtues, over all these virtues, and the virtues he, he mentions in verse number 13 and verse 12 and 11, those previous verses, he talks about the virtue of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, 
He says, listen, over all, all these virtues, the, the number one thing you need to put on is love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Timothy, Timothy, people are going to hate, 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 hate. But you set the example in the way you love. Love people above all. Love each other. I wish I would have known that love wins. Number four is this. There's a, a, a fourth area where, where Paul tells Timothy to set an example. Number four, set an example with your faith. With your faith. I wish when I was young I would have known that following Jesus was truly the most important thing in my life. I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have known it wasn't friends. It wasn't having a girlfriend. It wasn't being popular or being cool. It wasn't trying to fit in. It wasn't even education or money or the car or the house. I wish I would have known when I was younger the most important thing is seeking Jesus with all of your heart. I wish I would have known that you, cut, you cannot get too much of Jesus. Man, I wish I would have known that when I was younger. You cannot get too much of Jesus. He says, Timothy, 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 set an example in your faith. Pursue God. Take steps of faith to grow in your faith, to be more like Christ. I wish I would have known that when I was younger. And I would say to all of our young people today, take steps of faith to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Make him your number one pursuit. Take steps of faith. For some of you, it's a step. next step is to start praying every day or reading your Bible or get to church consistently. Take the next step and Get to our first step class or take the next step and, 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 and get yourself in a small group where you can grow with other Christians or take the next step and start serving consistently in a ministry. Start, start giving your life away through service. For some of you, take the next step and get water baptized. I realize at PCND, you, many of you, 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 you were water baptized last week. I praise God. I rejoice with all of you that were water baptized. And if this message, listen to me, if you have not been water baptized, get baptized at the next baptismal service. For, for, listen, for the Oklahoma campuses, get water baptized today. Today, take that next. If you have not been water baptized, take the next step and be water baptized today. Honor Jesus. Follow him with all of your heart. You know what's interesting is in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus is age 30, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And what's interesting to me is Jesus, who is the Son of God, he did not perform one miracle. He did, he did not even call his disciples until he was water baptized. And sometimes I see people say, man, God, show me your will. God, I want you to use my life in a powerful way. God, open up the doors. And I, you know what I think God says? Yeah, just take the next step. Follow me. Get water baptized. I think sometimes we put the cart before the horse. Just take the next step. For some of you, that's being water baptized. Going underneath the water showing that your sins have been washed away and coming out of the water showing you're a new creation. I'm living my life for Jesus and Jesus alone. At all of our campuses today in Oklahoma, at the table, there's a baptismal table in the lobby. Listen, when you go by that table and say, listen, I want to get water baptized today. I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart. Don't care what anybody else thinks. There's a towel there, there's shorts there, there's a shirt there, there's a hairnet, there's, there's everything that you need there at that table. Would you go by there and take the next step and be water baptized? Number five is this. There's a, a fifth area where Paul says set an example. Number five is this. Set an example with purity, with your purity. And when I was younger, I wish I understood the power of purity, the power of purity. 
And Timothy, when Paul wrote this, he was a young man, and he was single. And no doubt as a single young man, he's a preacher of the gospel, he's a leader, and no doubt there were some, there were some women, young ladies who had their eye on him. And obviously, Timothy is a young man, single, hormones, raging. No doubt he was checking out some young ladies. There's a reason that the Apostle Paul wrote this to him. And no doubt he probably seen a young lady one day, one day and thought, Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. And Paul, 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 Paul said, Listen, Timothy, 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 set an example in purity. Don't do what all the other young people are doing. Stay sexually pure. Wait until marriage. Don't give in to temptation. I know there are some thirsty ladies after you. But Timothy set an example. There's power in purity. Hear me, young person. If I could go back and have a do-over, I'm telling you, I would remain pure. If I knew now, back then, if I knew then what I know now, man, I would remain. I didn't realize nobody sat down and told me there's power in purity. Here's what the scripture says in Psalms 119 verse Verse 1, it says blessed, and everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants God to show up and work in a positive way in their life. It says blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Who does God bless? The pure. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed. Everybody wants to be blessed, but blessed are those who keep his statutes. They live pure and seek him with all their heart and they do no wrong but but follow his way they don't follow the world's ways they don't even follow their own ways they look to God's word and follow his ways you have laid down precepts that are to be fully not halfway not two-thirds but fully obeyed that's how you get blessed oh that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. I'd be steadfast. Man, as a young person, be steadfast. Don't have your one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Be steadfast in obeying his decrees. Here's what verse 6 says. Then, when you're blameless, when you're pure, then I will not be put to shame. You won't be put to shame in relationships, and career, in your life, your faith. You won't be put to shame when I consider all your commands. You say, Pastor, how do I stay pure in an impure world? There's so much sin and impurity. How do I do it as a young person? Well, he tells us in that very same chapter, Psalms 119 and verse 9, he says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You've got to have the word of God. I can't overemphasize it to you. You've got to have the word. You've got to read the word, pray the word, live the word, hear the word, preach every week. You've got to have the word to live whole. You've got to have the word. You need the word. Verse 10, I seek you with all of my heart. What are you seeking after? Young person, what are you thirsty for? Thirsty for the relationship? Thirsty for fame? Thirsty for power? Man, no, no, no. Be thirsty for Jesus. He says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Don't let me stray, God, your words in me. Don't let me stray from you, God, prayer, or the Bible, or church, or Christian friends. Don't let me stray. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Word, the Word, the Word will keep me on the right path. The Word of God. 
Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. How? But set an example. Not by demanding people respect you, but with your life. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Because listen, 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 listen. Listen. Every decision is leading you in a direction. And the outcome is predictable. You're unique, but your behavior isn't.